Hello, everybody. Welcome to Unrefined Women Podcast. This is your co-host, Margaret. Thank you for joining today. So today's episode is going to be just me, and this is actually an episode 40. So I can't believe we've been doing this podcast for not quite a year, but we're getting closer to it. Um, You might notice my sound quality is not quite as good. Sorry to Sean, our editor. I'm actually recording right now on my phone because I'm out and about and running some errands and just trying to do some multitasking. So I figured that I was going to record this episode kind of casually today and just talk about some things that I've been thinking about. So I've talked with Agnes about this, our other co-host, and just some of my closest friends about some of the things I've been struggling with in my life. I feel like every year there's some kind of a theme, you know, that I go through of something that I'm working on in my life, something interpersonally. And the theme of my life that I've noticed kind of in the last year, I want to say, and I'm just now in the last probably month or so becoming aware of this is my struggle with love and relationships. And I don't just mean love and relationships as in like your partners, your spouse, your romantic partners. I mean it just in general, like all of my relationships, my relationships with my partner, my relationships with my family, with my friends, with my with my child, and love also, you know, in a platonic sense as well. And I'm going to be talking a little bit today about attachment styles. So if you go back in our episodes, oh, I don't remember off the top of my head which number it was, but there is an episode called Attachment Theory that Agnes and I had together. And in that episode, I was able to kind of dive into what attachment theory is. And maybe you've heard of it before. It's talking a little bit about, um, or attachment theory studies the attachment styles that people have uh, traditionally with their parents and then how it manifests again in adulthood in their romantic relationships. And there's four different types of attachment styles that are common. The first one and the best one to have would be a secure attachment. So if you had a secure attachment with your parent, you know, you would feel like you're able to take risks and you're always supported. You could kind of venture out on your own, try new things, but you always have that safe and secure relationship you can come back to. This has been seen in studies where you have parents that leave their children um, with a daycare provider as an example. And the child might cry a little bit at first when the child leaves, but they're able to get themselves to calm down and they're able to self-soothe and get their nervous system regulated again and play and have a good time. And then when the parent returns, they are overjoyed and happy to see the parent and, and continue on with their day with their parent. So that's best case scenario. Unfortunately for me, and I feel like a lot of people I know, that was not the case. So we have these other types of attachment styles which are not as healthy. One of them would be an anxious attachment style. And so these are where the parents are not meeting the needs of the child, whether it's intentional or unintentional or, or out of neglect and, or, or even in the case of abuse. So an anxious attachment style would be the child that's left by the parent and they are very, very upset and they are unable to self-soothe themselves 
and the entire duration of time they're not with their parent they are extremely anxious they're upset they they cannot settle down their nervous system is very dysregulated so that would be like an anxious attachment style and an avoided attachment style would be where the child is very disconnected and indifferent the parent leaves the room and they just don't really care and the parent comes back and they don't care and they're just very disengaged and then there's a fourth one which I'm not really that knowledgeable on um, and I believe that one is called a disorganized attachment and I think there's different names out there uh, by different psychologists and theorists but disorganized, the disorganized attachment is where it's kind of all over the place um, and this I believe only shows up in really extreme situations of neglect and abuse and that would be where you have a child that sometimes appears very withdrawn other times they're very anxious and clingy um, in adulthood, this could just mean like very turbulent relationships, very hot and cold all the time. So that would be more of a, um, you know, that, that fourth type of attachment style, the disorganized attachment, which is not as prevalent. I've talked about this a lot in prior episodes, how I struggle with avoidant attachment style. And as I was saying a few minutes ago, in the past year of my life, I've really noticed this common theme. And it's that my avoidant attachment style has kind of come to this place in my life where I feel like the attachment I have with my parents as a young child is really manifesting in my life in this way that is causing this significant barrier to being connected with others and being able to experience the fullness and the, and the depth of meaningful connection with other humans and being able to be vulnerable enough to really experience love, whether it's giving love, whether it's receiving love. And I can feel how my avoided attachment style, it's really kind of come to this head where it's causing a lot of, I mean, honestly, at this point, causing a lot of suffering for me. So let me kind of give some examples. Growing up as the oldest child in the family, you know, and the oldest of nine, obviously there was a point in my childhood where I was the only child, but there's a year and a half age gap between me and the next brother, Andrew. So I don't have any conscious recollection of being an only child. So I'm sure that during that time, I probably had extra love and hugs and kisses from my parents. I don't really know. I mean, maybe my parents just naturally were not as warm and engaged. I mean, I don't know them as being very warm and engaged people. And as many of you know, I don't even have a relationship with my father. I haven't for almost a decade. And I have a great relationship now with my mom. But, you know, she was very stressed out as Agnes and I have talked about on the podcast. You know, she was being abused by her dad. She, you know, just, I think, really was really not having the easiest time in her life. And it prevented her from being the warm and nurturing parent that I know now that she wished she could have been. So it's possible I had kind of that extra love and attention as a child, but maybe I didn't. Either way, I don't remember. Anyway, as life continued, really, I didn't have that close of a connection with my parents. We didn't really hug a lot in the house. We didn't, you know, our parents didn't kiss us. There wasn't nighttime snuggles. 
you know, maybe it's a generation thing. I'm a millennial, and I've just heard from a lot of other people, mostly in older generations, that that was kind of common, that actually, you know, cuddling and uh, affection and warmth was not present in their homes. So I don't believe that I'm alone in that, which is actually really sad and unfortunate. Anyway, for me, this caused me to develop an avoidant attachment style, meaning that if my parents weren't around, I was fine. I didn't really care. I kind of had to learn to adapt. I didn't ever feel very loved and supported, and I didn't even always feel safe in my home. And so what that does to a child, and when I know what this does, what this did to me, was it caused me to, out of safe, or as out of a way of self-preservation and trying to protect myself, I basically disconnected from the people around me because I learned as a child that the people around me didn't make me feel safe. Um, you know, that's at worst case, best case, they didn't help me feel safe, you know, when I needed to feel safe. So I just kind of learned to adapt on my own and sort of develop this idea that I'm independent and I don't need to rely on anybody else and I can do it on my own. <laughs> Maybe you can see a pattern here. I feel like these kinds of habits are so prevalent in our society, especially here in America in this capitalistic society where it's very like individualistic. Um, that pull yourself up by your bootstraps mentality, you know, I absolutely suffer with it. And I think that that is avoidant attachment style. We have an avoidant attachment style with our parents, with our friends, with our family, with our communities. Like we don't know how to feel connected with one another. It's terrifying to be vulnerable with one another because what we were taught as children is that being vulnerable, it's a weakness, and it means that you will become, you're the prey, and so you have to become, like, tell yourself you're stronger than that. So, this may have saved me in childhood, but this is harming me now. Let me kind of explain some things here. So, as attachment theory has kind of shown the type of attachment you have with your parents tends to manifest in your closest relationships in adulthood, especially in your romantic relationships. I'm 31 years old now, and I have had th three, yeah, three long-term committed relationships in my adulthood life, so meaning from 18 on. And, you know, of course, I've had other shorter relationships kind of intermixed in that, and before 18 as well, um, you know, there's been other relationships or flings or whatever you want to kind of call it all sort of mixed in there in between the longer relationships, you know, um, and all of them kind of have some similar threads to them. And at this point now, I've looked back and I can see how I was never able to fully open up in those relationships. I never felt fully safe to be vulnerable, to really um, open myself up to experiencing love at a very, very deep, unconditional level. And it's kind of come to this point now in my life where I think that like at 31 years old, like I crave that, right? Like I think it's such a huge, like Brene Brown talks about, it's like 
one of the most primitive aspects of being a human, like connection with other humans. I mean, really science shows us if we're not connected with other humans, like we die. Historically, you would die if you were not connected with other humans, like alone with the elements, not having a way to take care of yourself, you would die. So that's kind of how our species has evolved. So we need this. This is like one of the most basic human just functions is being able to connect and be interconnected with other humans. So I'm feeling that, that desire and that need, that human need to be connected with other people, but it's fucking terrifying. I don't know how to do it. I've talked a lot in the past with my therapist and as many of you know at this point, like I've recently relocated to to Dallas. So I don't have a therapist right now and that's something that I would like to you know, start searching for, but you know, money and insurance and ever since COVID mental health has become a huge focus, which thank God it was a long time coming, but it also means that when I call therapists to set up appointments, they don't have appointments for months out. So I'm kind of therapist less at this point in my life and kind of navigating some of these charts on my own. But something that my past therapist and I talked about were, you know, the struggles that I have with attachment and how terrifying it is for me to open up with somebody. Some of the ways that I feel like this is really causing me to suffer are like with my partner Casey right now. You know, and he's like, Casey's an amazing partner and I'm so grateful that I have him because he's so kind and so patient with me. And I feel like we actually have this really healthy relationship and probably the most secure relationship I've ever experienced with a significant other. But we have a relationship where we're able to talk about things going on, like almost in real time even. Um, We're both really self-aware. We're both like constantly actively working on ourselves, um, working on the relationships that we have with ourselves. And then that translates into working on the relationship we have with each other. And Casey tends to, at least in our relationship, and he's explained in, in other relationships as well, he tends to be a little more prone to experiencing the, the anxious attachment style, where I have the avoidant attachment style. So let me kind of paint for you a picture of what happens when Casey and I are both stressed out at the same time or we're not mentally in the best state of mind and we're having a disagreement or about something or sometimes it's not even a disagreement we're just having a conversation but we're just both not in the in a healthy state of mind and so things can kind of go downhill from there if we are not perceiving the other person accurately because we're kind of blinded by our own emotions and our own past trauma so something that happens if there's any kind of tension at all between Casey and I or there's a disagreement happening or a misunderstanding I feel like that's a better word a misunderstanding happening Casey tends to kind of reach reach out to me for more like you know well, what do you mean by that as an example can you explain that more like wait a second I that that makes me feel this emotion you know he's a lot more better he's a lot better at expressing his emotions and kind of reaching out for that connection and me being avoidant if I sense any any tension or I sense that we're about to have a disagreement or a misunderstanding 
my natural response is to disconnect and withdraw. I'm like, I almost have like, you hear fight, flight, or freeze. I think that's the terminology. Like when there's a, like if there was danger in the wild, you know, you have the animal or the human would fight, flight, or freeze. I tend to flight or freeze. <laughs> Those are kind of like my, my mechanisms where I feel like someone with anxious attachment styles probably to fight, right? Like you're, you're fighting for that attention. You're trying to get that response of the other person. You're really freaked out where I like flight and freeze. So I will either, my first instinct is to flight. So I disconnect from the person and try to get away from the situation, say whatever I can to end the conversation in some way and get away where I feel safer. Um, if I don't feel like I'm able to get out of the situation, I will shut down. Thank God this has only happened one time, but there was once in, in, my, in our relationship where we were having a conversation so intense and both of us were so emotionally dysregulated that I literally shut down, like completely disassociated from my body to the point that I couldn't speak anymore. I was, I couldn't feel my body. I was completely numb. Um, and this, it was a terrible feeling. Like I had, I just like, like, I don't know how else to describe that other than I felt like I left my body and my body was just this sort of like motionless, speakless, you know, lump of flesh. And this lasted for like a couple of hours. And, you know, obviously Casey realized what was happening and was trying to help me come back from that but it was just like I had to just kind of be left alone for a while to come back into my body again where I felt safe but that's sort of my thing is to is to disconnect get away from the situation and if that's not possible to just completely disassociate and almost like leave my body so this will happen sometimes between me and Casey thankfully we're really self-aware and Sometimes, if it's not too intensive a moment, we're able to kind of laugh it off because, you know, as I said, he'll start kind of reaching for more. Like, well, what do you mean by that? Can you explain that more? Like, that made me feel this emotion and I don't like that. And I'll start to kind of withdraw and push him away and say phrases that are kind of like conversation enders versus curiosity and trying to work through something. And sometimes we're able to kind of spot it in the moment and we're like, oh, wait a second, we're both triggered right now and you're reverting to your anxious attachment and I'm reverting to the avoidant attachment. Okay, like we know what's happening now, we understand this. And then we're able to kind of like take a beat and kind of get ourselves re-regulated again and then continue from there. So that's something that's helping us out a lot, I think, being able to be self-aware. But I think where I'm really struggling right now in my life is two different things. First of all, in my closest relationships, I've maybe maybe you all have kind of experienced this. Sometimes I feel like the closer people become to me, the harder and harder it is for me to open up and to be vulnerable. On the flip side of that, I find it tremendously easy to be an open book with people that don't know me at all or don't know me very well. I find that I really, really enjoy conversations and being vulnerable with people that I'm acquaintances with. People where 
if I say or do something or if I'm vulnerable in a way that upsets them, you know, obviously like that might be a little bit uncomfortable, but it's not going to threaten my safety. It's not going to threaten the most um, important relationships in my life. So it's easier for me to open up and, and be vulnerable with people where if shit goes south, like the situation might suck, but my life is still going to be intact. You know, it's different when it's with a significant other because, you know, like I've been through a divorce as well. Like if you're, if you have a really bad situation with a significant other and that leads to the demise of that relationship, that now can mean you have lost family, you have lost friends, you have lost a home, you have lost an entire life you have built, and that is terrifying. And so I find it easier to be more vulnerable with the relationships that are disposable, which is kind of like a terrible word, but the relationships that I could live without. And the closer people become to me, the harder and harder it is for me to be vulnerable. And I experienced this in my relationships where people were like, like, what happened? Like, we used to be able to talk about these, you know, these things all the time. We used to be able to talk about these different struggles in our lives, our, our thoughts, our feelings, our fears, you know, our passions. And then as people become closer to me, I get a little more guarded. And it's, I've, I've, kind of, I've almost needed people to kind of point it out to me because I didn't notice it as much. And it makes me feel really sad because then I see the people who love me suffering because they can feel that disconnection. They can feel me kind of close off from them. And it's, it's suffering, it's, I'm suffering because I can now see this happen. I'm very aware of this happening. But I'm also just suffering because to me, this feels impossible. Like it feels like I don't know how to, I don't know what to do about this. And this is really scary to me because I feel like there's so many things in my life where I can kind of identify patterns or I can identify um, like a trauma trigger that I have and I can kind of go, oh, okay, well, I can see how this trauma or this trigger that I have is tied back to this trauma from my childhood and, okay, like, you know, the textbook, you know, being in social work school, the textbooks say to kind of do this, 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 or I can bring it up with my therapist and we'll do this, this, and this so we can fix that or at least get it to a, get it on the road to recovery. But this is something where I'm like, fuck, I don't even know what to do. I don't even know where to start because I feel like I, I can kind of intellectually understand what's going on, but this is so ingrained in my just, it's like, almost like my root chakra, right? Like that part of ourselves that needs to feel grounded and safe and secure. Like being vulnerable with people threatens that for me. And, you know, as science shows, like when we feel unsafe or we feel threatened, our prefrontal cortex shuts down. It literally goes offline. We're not able to access the higher functioning parts of the brain that are able to make executive decisions, that are able to kind of take that higher point of view perspective. We lose that. And we kind of go into that fight, flight, or, or, fr or fight, flight, or freeze mode. So I'm like, I don't know how to work on this without triggering my, I don't know how to work on avoidant attachment without triggering that avoidant attachment and flighting or freezing from the situation. Like, I don't know how to override that. So 
<sighs> yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at right now. I feel like this is kind of a hard thing to be sharing on the podcast because normally when I talk about something, I want to come, I want to come to the table from a perspective of this is something that I have struggled with in my life, but I have now found things that are helping me and here's the progress that I've made. And as I talk right now about this, I'm just not in that place. I'm in this place with this is something that I've struggled with my whole life. I've only become aware of it really in the last year. And it's only in the last month or two that I've started to really become aware of how badly this avoidant attachment style is affecting my relationships, it's affecting my life. Um, and how much pain and suffering it's causing me. So, yeah, I'm just kind of like in it, guys. I'm kind of just in in the shitter right here with all of this. And so, yeah, I'm super curious, like, what other stuff you guys have dealt with with attachment styles. And again, like, if you want a refresher on this, go back to the episode where Agnes and I really talked about attachment styles. We actually spent a whole episode just kind of breaking it all down talking about some of the studies and really getting into the science of it so that would be a great place to start but yeah so some of the ways that I've experienced this avoidant attachment style or other ways I've experienced it in my life would be like I think just in my day-to-day life I just have this sort of over independence and I know it's not healthy Um, It shows up in my life where I feel like if things are challenging or I'll give a really obvious example, like around the house, you know, if I, if I witness Casey or Brayden doing something around the house, like the dishes as an example, where it's not up to my standards, I tend to have that move aside. Let me just do it. I'll do it. I can, I can do it right. Like I'd struggle with trusting other people to do things in the way that I think they should be done. And I have this sort of unrealistic expectation of how I expect things to be done. So there's this like over-independence in my life. Um, I just, it's harder for me, as I said, to talk about more vulnerable subjects with the people closest to me out of fear that I will upset them and then they will abandon me. So I convince myself that I don't need to have those conversations. I don't need to share vulnerable topics with the people that I love, you know, and then instead I turn to people that are acquaintances who really don't like owe me anything. And I don't know, I don't owe them anything. We're not even that that much connected. And I tend to share all of the best parts of myself with those people who haven't even earned it yet. So I guess that's just other signs that I have and maybe signs that if you have avoidant attachment style, you struggle with that as well. Things that I've heard from partners in the past are that I'm not a good communicator, that I don't tell the truth, which, you know, I think that there's some validity to that. I think I tend to err on the side of I don't tell lies, but I will sometimes find ways to get out of describing the whole truth because it's terrifying and I'm afraid that me being vulnerable is going to cause people to leave me.
And so, but then I also tell myself the lie that if people left me, I would be fine because I'm independent and fine on my own, which I know is a bullshit lie. (laughs) So I think that's something that actually I've noticed a lot in men in our culture. I think men really have that idea of, well, I don't need to be emotionally available. I don't need to talk about things that, that bother me. Um, I don't need to be fully present with my partner. And if things all went to hell and my life fell apart and the people I love left me, I would be fine. I'm, you know, I'm a man. I can do it on my own. So I almost, in a sense, have some of those toxic masculine traits when it comes to emotional unavailability. You know, and again, it's like I feel like it's painful and I just, I don't know how to deal with it. So, something I'm working on. Something else I wanted to talk about just briefly before kind of wrapping up this conversation is that, um, this is just fresh in my mind because I watched it today, but there is a mini series on HBO Max and it's called Scenes from a Marriage. Oh my gosh, guys, if you have not seen this, like, make some t- some space in your life to watch this at some point. And when I say space, I don't just mean, like, carve out, like, an evening to watch it or a couple of evenings to watch it. Make sure that you have the emotional space to watch this show because it is deep. <laughs> kind of shook my world a little bit. So the last couple nights I've been watching scenes from a marriage, and I believe I had actually initially heard of the show from, it was either Brene Brown or Glennon Doyle, because I listened to both of their podcasts, and in fact, maybe both of them mentioned it even, but the series is basically, it's a short mini-series, five episodes, each episode is about an hour, and it's created, uh, or it's basically um, modeled after a Swedish film, I, I believe it's also called Scenes from a Marriage, that took, I think it was filmed back in the 70s, if I remember correctly. So this is kind of like a rendition of the film, but broken up into a miniseries. The acting is just phenomenal. Um, you see, the series is about a husband and a wife, and you just see the slow demise of their marriage throughout these episodes. And as I said, the acting is just phenomenal. Like being someone that has gone through divorce, that has been in long-term committed relationships, um, you know, and then of course shorter or more casual relationships, the amount of depth in this show is like unparalleled. I feel like between the acting, um, I mean, really, actually really, I, I think that I think that like 90% of this show's success is the acting. I don't know how they could have pulled it off any other way. But the acting is so phenomenal because every conversation that takes place in this show, I mean, the the subtlety and the facial expressions, the tonality, the reflections, the, the gestures, like it is so realistic, painfully realistic. And painfully realistic in the way that it forced me as I watched the show. It almost forced me to go inward and find the parts of myself that could, re- that could like, understand what this couple was going through. I could understand and relate to the man's perspective. I could understand and relate to the women's perspective. And I could see in myself where I have been both of those people 
in both of those positions at different points in my life and different relationships. And part of what's so painful about it is you, you're watching this show of these two flawed individuals and their marriage is falling apart and both of them are engaging in behaviors that to an outsider looking in or to someone that's in a rational state of mind would think is ridiculous it's abusive like it's crazy but I've been that person I have been that person I have been there I have felt those things I have said those words I have used that tone and I've been in both situations the man and the women's in different relationships in my life and it just is so painful in that way where I can look at this and be like this is a tv show this shit these people are fucking batshit crazy but I am them oh my god I am them you see these two people saying and doing unthinkable things to each other but at the same time it's like I have done all of those things And the things that I haven't done, I have either come extremely close to doing them or I have like thought about and fantasized doing them. So check out this show, guys. And again, like make sure, make sure that you kind of have the mental and emotional space to sit with it because it was just mind blowing for me. Um, One last kind of takeaway that I had on this on this show and I literally just just finished the show like this morning so I haven't had too much time to reflect on it this is just kind of like my raw initial takeaway but another thing that really kind of like was uncomfortable for me to sit with with this show is that it made me think about what is what is a healthy relationship like what does that look like and can that even exist is it, is it a waste of time for us to spend trying to create this healthy relationship? Because I realize in the show too, and maybe this is just how they portrayed it, but you realize when, when you think of the term healthy relationship, healthy relationship, that's such a broad term, but what's healthy for one person is not always what's healthy for somebody else. And what's possible for one person is not always possible for somebody else. I think of this in the context of, you know, the last 150 years or so, we've had mainly monogamous marriages and monogamous relationships where you're only with one other person. And I feel like at least, and and this is something that I've kind of just studied on my own and I find very fascinating and I have friends that, that do this, but polyamory is becoming a much more talked about and accepted, uh, relationship lifestyle. And so the show kind of touches a little bit on some of that, you know, like how possible or or how sustainable is monogamy is this idea that monogamous relationships are the epitome of healthy relationships is, is the, the idea that monogamous relationships are sort of the gold standards of relationships. Is that destroying the relationships with ourselves and others? Is that tearing us apart? You know, it, something about that just feels off to me and I've felt that for a long time even though I'm in a monogamous monogamous relationship and I do practice monogamy I do feel like the fact that monogamy is considered the gold standard of relationships that we compare relationships to a monogamous relationship model is very harmful I think it excludes a lot of people And then we have marriages where 50% or probably even more of marriages end in divorce, um, infidelity, 
is just so common. And I almost wonder, are we just lying to ourselves when we think that we can be in a monogamous relationship and it's going to be healthy all the time? Like, what the fuck is even healthy? (laughs) So that was probably a confusing and terrible way of explaining it. But I just felt like these are some of the questions that I felt arising in me as I was watching Scenes from a Marriage. If you happen to watch Scenes from a Marriage, if you've seen it already or you're going to watch it, please reach out to me on TikTok or Instagram. I would love to kind of hear your thoughts on it because, yeah, again, I just watched it. These are my raw, kind of unfiltered initial thoughts. I'm sure I'm going to continue to ponder on this and read about the show and read other people's opinions and have conversations. So I would love to have that conversation with you. Anyway, lastly, I have a few little housekeeping things. So, as I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, this is episode 40, a big milestone for me and Agnes, and we are actually going to be taking the next four weeks off of posting episodes. I know, shocker. We have religiously been posting episodes every week since last, what was it, September of 2021, I believe, when we first launched our podcast. Every week we've been coming up with new episodes. We are actually going to be taking the week off just to kind of get ourselves sort of recentered again. And we're going to be just figuring out kind of the next chapter, I guess, of the Unrefined Women podcast, some of the things we're going to be talking about. And this is not even going to be fully a break for us. We have a huge long to-do list of things to do for the podcast and social media and all of that. So we're going to be chipping away at that list. We're going to be recording some episodes. We're going to be interviewing some guests, just kind of getting ahead of the curveball because life's been really, really crazy. Um, Obviously, I've moved. Agnes has gone through, you know, different changes in her life. Agnes actually has COVID at the moment, um, hence why I'm doing the solo episode. She is thankfully on the mend, but she has been pretty much out of commission the last week. So we are just desperately in need of some self-care time, getting ourselves recentered, um, chipping away at the to-do list, getting a few episodes ahead so we're not recording episodes like I am right now at the last minute before we uh, produce and share them with you all. So also, lastly, lastly, uh, we've mentioned it a little bit in some of our past episodes, but we have a Patreon account. So if you love listening to our podcast and you want to support us because this shit is not cheap, um, we would love it if you could join us on Patreon. Uh, that would be at Unrefined Women on Patreon. We have a pay what you can model. You can pay as little as it's either 2 or $3 a month all the way up to, I think, $50 a month. So whatever you're able to give, we really appreciate it. That's another thing that we're going to be kind of spending the next month doing is just really getting more content on our Patreon account, getting more involved in that. Uh, We're still going to be releasing some bonus episodes on Patreon throughout the month. So if you're missing us, please jump on over there. We're going to be pretty active. So yeah, thank you all for listening to me just kind of rant and ramble about some of the things I'm suffering with with uh, relationships in my life. As I continue to grow and learn more in this area, I will absolutely be back to share what I'm finding. And just like as I was seeing with scenes from a marriage, if you too find yourself kind of struggling 
in your life with attachment styles, with your family, with your partners, if you resonate at all with anything I described, please reach out. I just love being in community with other people. <laughs> in theory, right? I've got it. I've got avoidant attachment style, but <laughs> I love. I do. I really do. I really do love being able to hear from other people and just know that I'm not alone in things, even if it is hard for me to talk about them with people. Sometimes it is nice to just know that I'm not alone and we're kind of all in this together. So reach out, send me a DM on Instagram or TikTok. I would love to chat about this. I hope you all have a wonderful week and a wonderful month since we're not going to be back until August. So everybody take care. Agnes and I love you all. We'll see you in a few weeks. We believe in the power of taking even one minute a day to breathe and find gratitude in the little things. Wherever you are, if you are able, close your eyes, take a deep breath in and out, and reflect on something that you are grateful for today. We are so honored that you could join us in this discussion today, and we hope you have a beautiful week. If you enjoyed today's Unrefined Woman podcast episode, please be sure to like, subscribe, and share. To check out other episodes, please visit our website at unrefinedwoman.com, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. To stay in the loop and receive access to additional content, please follow us on TikTok, username unrefinedwoman, and on Instagram at unrefinedwomanpodcast. Special thanks to Walter Birdsong for the album cover, Margaret Rainey for our podcast music, Andrew Cioni for our gratitude prompt music, and Sean Butcher for editing and production. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next week.